Welcome to Health Systems CIO's Live at Vive interview with Ryan Witt, VP of Industry Solutions for Healthcare with Proofpoint. Ryan, thanks for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here, Anthony. I mean, live at Vive. I mean, it feels like I'm live at him, but while I get this, this show, right? <laughs> well, we'll be there in two weeks. Right. So, uh, right. We're, we're going to be live at a lot of places. Good. Yeah, good. It's good to talk to you, my friend. Um, let's start off with a little bit of the background on Proofpoint, a little bit about your organization and role. Sure. Uh, Proofpoint is all about human-centric security. It's this acknowledgement now that the bad actors are really focusing their efforts on attacking humans and how they work. So Proofpoint try to help organizations mitigate against that, so protecting humans and then ultimately trying to defend was often the target. The ultimate target is data, so defend data. Protect people how they work and defend data from exfiltration. And then from my standpoint, I focus on making that aperture, create that aperture really around healthcare so that we are building out uh, solutions and strategy to go make sure that healthcare industry customers have that accelerated enhanced experience for working with Proofpoint. All right, very good. So we're here at the show and every year seems to be a, a big buzzword, different buzzword. Um, blockchain was one that was <laughs> huge uh, a few years ago. Um, you obviously had pandemic sort of stuff in the middle. And now we have AI everywhere in every conversation. What's going on with AI? What are people doing with AI? And they want to know what their vendors are doing with AI, what the bad guys are doing with AI, all kinds of stuff. So um, when I'm sure you get asked all the time by customers and prospects um, about what you're doing with AI and customers are doing with AI. So your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's you're you're absolutely right, um, and I think unlike blockchain, where that might have been a moment in time, I don't want to you know I don't want to diminish blockchain, but it might have been a moment in time topic. I think AI is not going away. I don't, I don't think it's a moment in time. It's it's going to ultimately revolutionize how we all interact with technology going going forward. So, but I I think it's also important to keep it. To temper it a little bit, be I guess maybe be realistic or keeping it real, kind of where are we at right now? Um, undoubtedly, yes. Every customer wants to understand what their vendors are doing on AI. There's an expectation that there's significant investment in AI, um, and that's conversations I have on a very regular basis. And we are certainly making significant investments in AI and have done for many, many years. Um, at the same time, if you do look at Everything from every sort of hack or cyber event that sort of occurred for the last week, month, year, two years, it really is still a lot of all the old school attacks. So um, phishing is still a very prominent way people are attacked. Uh, the desire to obtain credentials is essentially still the nirvana state. Um, and so I don't know that you'll see a significant need to go to sophisticated AI-enhanced attacks when clearly, if you just look at the news cycle over the last, you know, 40 hours in healthcare, clearly the old school attacks are still prevalent and are still working. So that being said, we'll still be in an arms race. I mean, vendors will be investing in AI and, and attackers will be as well. Um, the one sort of caveat I would give maybe to all this is 
but something like two thirds of the countries in the in the world are are going through a significant election cycle in 2024. So I do think you'll see a prominent uptick in deep fakes and that sort of AI style um, attacks, uh, just raising the overall temperature on on cyber events. I don't think that'd be the kind of events necessarily you'll see uh, impacting healthcare or other sort of uh, mm-hmm. enterprise organizations. But just the prominence of, of, of deep fakes and how much we'll see of them and how much that will impact the election season will just kind of keep AI really top of mind for everybody. So it's it sounds like a, one lesson here is don't assume because you see some sort of crazy hack, because we've seen some crazy hacks out there, um, deep fakes, people getting conned. I saw something recently. Don't assume that's going to be coming at you with these exotic attacks. I, it, it, I don't think you've seen that. I mean, I, I'd be really much more interested in doing your basic walking attack point first. Mm-hmm. Like, almost every healthcare institution we talk to, they have got to make trade-offs when it comes to right. their investments. Whether that investment's in people, in technology, in processes, training. And so I'd be really layering in my investments, layering in my security controls to to block the more basic old school attacks before I got deeply concerned about, you know, blocking AI style deep fake attacks. Right. And we don't really know anything about the change healthcare thing. Do we know about that entry point? Probably not a lot we can say right now. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what everybody's talking about. Oh, conference. yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's absolutely what everyone's talking about at the conference. And it, but it, it goes back to kind of what we're talking about. Like the, Healthcare is still significantly under attack, will remain under attack uh, for the foreseeable future. And so making sure you have all your, your controls in place to, to mitigate against happen there and other places. Right, because it, it's under attack. I don't know, some people say that it's got a lot of sort of juicy stuff, so to speak, for cyber criminals. It's got a lot, you know, the health, the personal data, clinical data. It's got all the social security sometimes, the credit card stuff too, if you want to sell. But you also could be heavily attacked because you're the weakest point, right? You're the weakest link. So I guess if you combine those two, you're, you're super right for attack. Yeah, you, you, have a lot, you have a lot of reasons why healthcare still gets attacked. I mean, for all the reasons you just stated, um, many healthcare institutions are a rich source of research data. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a rich source of access to controlled substances. Um uh, ID theft, they're a strong platform for stealing someone's ID, mm-hmm. identification. Um, there's still a strong monetization angle at healthcare. So healthcare has so many different reasons to get attacked, and they're so much more attractive from the threat actors for all those all those reasons. And, and so healthcare is, needs to be very, very, and not that they're not, but, mm-hmm. but needs to remain top of mind about mitigating against that. So you're, you're, you know, your organization, you, you work to help people around the email area. Um, one of the things that's been discussed recently in cybersecurity in general has been an excessive amount of guidance, information, uh, frameworks, a lot of stuff coming at CISOs. And if you take maybe junior CISOs or organizations that don't have CISOs, they don't have someone sort of bringing that skill set to the table, it can be a lot coming at you from a lot of areas that are all trying to help you, but it can be difficult to figure out which way to move forward. Um, so the hiccup document came out from 
you know, 405D, which is sort of supposedly a pretty, you know, pretty good document to move forward. Um, now you have these uh, HPHCPGs coming out. Um, they're voluntary right now. They may be mandatory at some point. They're supposed to line up with Hiccup and NIST and all this stuff supposed to come together. So my question to you is sort of twofold. What do you think about this concept that we see of a desire or an attempt to simplify guidance and coordinate guidance coming at security professionals? And then in the area that you deal in, what are they calling for and requiring that health systems do in the email area? Okay, so that's, those are two great questions. Um, and, and I do agree with you. There's a plethora of framework certifications, guidance, and it's a lot to get your head around. I, if I had to guide anybody in terms of like, where would you maybe focus your time and effort? We're really blessed in healthcare in that the 405D program has this thing we would call hiccup also that um, they put out very strong, very worthwhile, worthwhile guidance. Um, Around, all around cybersecurity preparedness. A lot of that is mapped back to NIST. And so if you had to kind of pick, in healthcare, if you had to go pick one area that maybe to focus on, I would really look at uh, the work that the 405D team has done. Um, it's often been said, we won't know until we get there. And by the way, we may not get there, but um, if there is legislative appetite to go bring in new regulations, uh, to bring in new fines, to bring in grant money, to go invest in cybersecurity, it's highly likely that they will put requirements in place that map back onto a 405D guidance. Um, it's a public-private partnership. I think it's generally very well received, um, and I think the guidance is granular enough that's applicable to multiple sizes of organizations. So I think it is the bellwether going forward for cybersecurity uh, frameworks and, um, and healthcare. And so I, if I had to map to one thing, yeah. uh, that's that's what I would map to. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the good practices that they would talk about as it pertains to email, yeah. um, you, you know, you kind of have um, at the basics, I want to call it that, to make sure you have a strong uh, advanced email security gateway installed in your institution. Uh, make sure you have the right sort of firewall. Make sure you have the sort of right sort of antivirus installed. And that, that might sound overtly basic, and I, I I I would understand if it did. But I you know I, I'm harking back to uh, Kim's research data, which often talks about you know there's still around 10% of organizations who don't have a firewall installed. 15% of organizations don't have antivirus installed. So reminding everybody in terms of like the need to have those basics in place is super important. Um, going beyond that, I would say um, a strong focus on authentication. Um, we have seen that fraudulent type attacks, fraudulent email attacks, imposter email attacks, or as the FBI referred to it as BEC, business email compromise attacks, is the single greatest loss, uh, financial loss uh, of any sort of cyber event. In fact, if you add all cyber events together, they're still not as, as high as what happens in a fraudulent email attack. So using authentication to absolutely verify 
that the recipient or, or the sender of those emails is who they say they are mm -hmm. is really, really important to um, helping plug a very porous security uh, hole right now. And I, 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 you know, I don't know that I can't, I haven't seen recent numbers on it, but I think it's something like around 25% of healthcare institutions have, uh, say, DMARC, for example, mm -hmm. like the prescribed sort of um, authentication tool. So that, that that's a long way to go then for yeah. other healthcare institutions to go make that investment. Does so, it shock you that tech number's so low? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yes and no. I mean, I, I talk to healthcare institutions regularly, so... So I understand the challenges, and I understand all the security holes they have to go address. Um, it, it, you know, I, it, it feels like we still have shaken away from the meaningful use era, where uh -huh. during meaningful use, we were all focused on the patient record. We were all focused on the things that gave us, gave us funding for the patient record. And that those conditions that were security-related were actually much more regulatory related, compliance related, related. And so we made investments in that direction and we did not make enough investments in yeah. security. And I don't think healthcare's ever really caught up. Well, I mean, to your point that you make all the time, it's like email is the number one vector that your attacks are coming in. Um, and there is a finite, you mentioned a few things, authentication, DMARC, the basics. Um, there's a finite number of things that are doable. Right? I mean, these things are doable. They're doable. It's not an endless list. You don't need to read a 300-page paper no. to understand it. So if it's the number one vector and there's a few basic, now, you know, there's a few basic technology-focused things to do. The education is another part. Education. User education. Yep. But it's just like you got to you gotta check this box, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you do. It, you know, we work very closely in other industries as well, for example, like, I don't know financial services where they place a tremendous amount of importance on speed of transaction. Yeah. So they're always waiting for when's the new chipset coming out? When it, when can I get that that yeah. little bit of nanosecond more quicker? So there there are things that they're waiting for vendors to bring to market. Healthcare doesn't have to wait for anything. Everything healthcare needs to solve all these problems are readily available technology. Uh, that's interesting. That's a very good point. Um, let's talk a little bit more about what could be coming out. Um, do you think, um, so as I said, the HPHCPGs are, are voluntary. Um, are, are you in favor of some sort of minimum required? Do you think that would help the industry? Um, that, you know, you know, mandatory is a thing. What, what happens if you don't comply? Fines, whatnot. I don't know. At some point, mandatory is going to mean something where if you don't do it, there's some negative consequence. But a lot of people are saying, Yes, or at least some people I talk to. Yes, you have to have some sort of minimum requirements uh, in place. But what are your thoughts? I mean, healthcare is historically a compliance industry. If a, a, a higher authority, a government authority or a state authority says, thou shall dot, 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 healthcare has shown in the past they will adhere to the, 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 the legislation or regulations. Things that are that are that are suggestive, I don't. They don't seem to work, right? So, so should these things be mandatory? Yes. Do you do you therefore want to have a carrot or a thick approach? That's a different sort of conversation. So right. maybe you do a little bit of both, right? right? But I, I think healthcare definitely gravitates towards that sort of government behavior. They're used to that. So 
to me, that would make sense for the industry. Yeah. And do you, do you see, well, everyone says that the you know, rurals, the smalls, they can't afford to do some of this stuff. They need some, and, and I've been told there's some money out there already. There's some grants available out there. There could be money tied to any new things that come down the pipe that are required. But are you sympathetic to the argument of the smalls and the rurals that we know what to do? We have a hiccup. We know what to do, but we have we do not have the resources to do it. Right. I'm very sympathetic, okay. which is why I think sometimes it has to be a carrot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know if you want to embrace and adopt these capabilities, we will fund it to whatever tune. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know how that right. works, but right. I don't think it has to be punitive. Everything can't be like you did. You you were told what to do. You didn't yeah. do it. Therefore, we're going to find you. Right. I don't think that works. That was that's not the right solution. Right. Certainly not for them. Anything else interesting that you've seen at the show, hearing at the show, that people are asking you questions about or uh, any final thoughts? Um, I, I think it's a really interesting time for cybersecurity. I, I think the things, that, the two things that I really am encouraged by is one is um, how much there is uh, strong guidance coming out from healthy, healthy human services in the form of 405D. Yeah how there does appear to be a pathway to that becoming legislation. Now, you know, you got, it's, we're, in a, we're in an election year. Is there a legislative appetite? I don't know, we'll see, but there seems to be a path there. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, there's a strong understanding that a cyber event is related to a patient outcome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're no longer just doing these things because it makes good sense financially or because there's some sort of compliance uh, measure we're trying to meet or because we care about a reputation or whatever. Yes, those are obviously drivers, but we're doing it more and more because we recognize that we can't meet the mission of the institution. And I think that's that mindset change, I think, is really valuable in terms of getting boards, executive teams to put the right level of investment to go solve some of the cyber challenges that we still have. All right. Very good, Ryan. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed it. Likewise. Good to see you. Great to be by.